Hey. What's going on, everybody? We're here, we're here to wrap up to do some good work after a week of good work. Satisfying work. I feel I feel good about myself. I hope you guys feel good about yourselves for having spent time with me. But uh, but yeah, tonight we are going to spend a good. We're gonna have a healthy dose of Nor Bin Laden tonight. She's coming onto the show in a couple of minutes, and uh, from there we are going to just talk about this week in Davos because she has been covering all that, all of the speeches. All the outlandish, crazy things, the wild visions of the future, the plans that are certainly already in place. She's been covering it all week for shows like Mel Kay and Steve Bannon's show, and uh, she's been doing fantastic. So I know she's got a lot stored up here. We also have a lot of media we can cut to. I've got questions from the audience, and um, things should go off without a hitch. Of course, if you want to watch the whole uninterrupted live stream, you should go to the pilled.net link or quite frankly.tv from now. Um, it's there's you know, it's just two clicks away. And um, and then afterwards this entire thing will be archived all over the place. And this is this will definitely become a YouTube premiere as well. All right. So thank you to my sponsors. Oh, I, I do have a special thing to show it to you guys. Uh, my friend, a friend of the show. Uh, her name is Sharon Stewart, and she's the CEO and founder of Bed Voyage. They are an affiliate on QuiteFrankly.tv. They do all great bedding and stuff like that. It's like Bed Bath & Beyond, only it's a nice American business with uh, with great products that are mostly like bamboo, which that's, that's why I said, oh, can you send me a couple of bamboo hand cloth? I want to I wanna see, because I had a bamboo shirt once. And it was so, so damn soft. It was unreal. Well, I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to put you up as an affiliate. Let me know whenever you have sales. And I'll just tell people, well, she has one. Sharon says you can tell everybody that they have 30% off towel promotion going on from January 19th to the 22nd, and the price is already adjusted, so no code is needed. But if they use the Frankly code, they'll get another 15% off, which is 45% discount. Okay. So um, that is bamboo towels, which are resistant to mildew, odor, bacteria. So you can reuse them for days and never smell any mildew scent. Uh, the promo, but, but you know, clean them, clean them. Let's come on here. The bamboo will cover up your laziness, but let's be real here. Come on. And the promo code, the promo includes all towels, facial wash and robes. So that is bed voyage. You can go find that on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. Thank you so much for that, Sharon. And if you can't find the link for some reason, give me a call uh, or email me. Don't call me. Don't call me about this, please. And I'll, I'll share the link with you. All right, here is a couple of things I want to throw out for the very, very quick grab bag because we have about eight minutes until Noor is on with us. Where the hell is it? I have it up here somewhere. Oh, there it is. There it is. What I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to put it up on the screen. Capture it. It is a it's from the Western Journal. Where are we? Window capture. Good. Great. Western Journal Sports Illustrated lays off virtually its entire staff less than a year after fully going woke. What does fully woke mean? Well, if you don't remember, we made a couple of jokes about how they put a man as a woman, you know, it 
you know the whole train they, they put a a, a a transgender person up on the front page of sports illustrated which is really what all the, the little the little uh the boys want to see they want to see a man in a, in a bikini that's what all the little boys that's what they hope all the little boys want to see obviously well uh venerable sports magazine sports illustrated is suffering a major setback this week after its publisher announced it was laying off the publication's entire staff now what does that mean is it just done how do you lay off the end i guess they're just restaffing taking it in a new direction what is that an email sent to magazine staffers, uh, staffers, they said, uh, we were notified by Authentic Brands Group, ABG, that the license under which the arena, uh, the arena group operates the Sports Illustrated brand and SI-related properties has been officially revoked by ABG. As a result of this license revocation, we will be laying off staff that work at SI Brand. So um, there's a lot going on there. Front Office Sports added it appears authentic and has been working to group uh, to regroup its publishing empire as the industry struggles. But Sports Illustrated has had particular problems from several months or several rounds of layoffs of key writers to a string of turnovers of leadership and embarrassing bouts with articles that were badly written by art artificial intelligence. Which actually goes hand in hand with a lot of the things that are going on in Davos this week, because there has been more than uh, one instance of a preview of a world in which AI takes over all real, you know, very prominent administrative roles and continues to replace humans who are being groomed into uselessness. That's one way of putting it. Groomed into uselessness. Okay, well, here is one last thing I want to leave you guys with before we go and kick this one off. It's the headline from NBC News. You might have seen it. If not, it's your first time. Flames seen shooting. Flames? Seen shooting out of a Boeing 747, prompting an emergency landing in Miami. Cell phone video captured the plane flying across the sky with what appears to be a trail of fire behind it. It looks like Santa. Santa sleigh and, and the reindeer. Okay, hold on. Here's a little bit of the um, of the of the video here. Mayday, mayday. Flames shooting out of a plane in midair, forcing the aircraft to make an emergency See? landing. It looks magical. The Atlas air cargo flight sparked after it took off from Miami International Airport. I, I hate to say this, but it looks beautiful. It looks beautiful. I don't know. What, you know, I, I was looking at this. I, and obviously, first thing I, I it, they said it wasn't fatal. They were actually able to get this thing down and nobody died. And there was only a few uh, people on board because I think it was a cargo plane or something like that. But um, as soon as I re as soon as I was given the okay, everybody was fine. I said, you know, that really is that was a pretty that was a pretty sight. So uh, Boeing 747 cargo plane, emergency landing in Miami. But don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, the FAA has promised to send the most disabled person that they can find to investigate the situation. So you know we'll get to the bottom of it. They're looking around. They said that we need the most disabled person um, in America to go and investigate. So don't worry, the FAA is on the case. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. 
And uh, and please, ladies and gentlemen, stay relaxed. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee, and because you know it's always a it's always a cozy time when Noor is on. She'll be calling us from Switzerland. All right, we'll be right back. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! So be so happy to have you all here, ladies and gentlemen. Happy to have you all here, and I would also just like to say, um, I uh, I have added up onto the quite frankly forum. Onto the forum is now the official memories from the mall forum thread. So we are going to be doing a show about memories from the mall. Anybody has wonderful time, um, wonderful memories from the time when the mall ruled America then uh, that's all going to be there for you. But why talk about that when we've got a very special treat here tonight? Hanging out from far away land, but close enough to be able to report on all the things going on in a very, very, not so mysterious, very out in the open, very proud conference of technocrats. Noor Bin Laden is with us, and uh, she's got a lot to say. Noor, how you doing? Oh, wait, hold on. She's, she's still connecting the... Uh, she can't hear me just yet. Hold on a second. Remember, we are we are gapping. There's a great distance between us. So just let the signals travel a little bit more. And she'll hear me in just a moment. There she is. Noor, are you there? Yes, sorry. I was having some technical problems. Can you hear me? I can I can hear you just fine. And you know the best thing is I can see you now too. Cool. And I see a portrait of you, but I don't see you I know. in the feed. I know. Unfortunately, because I'm home, this is the one time you're not going to see me. So if I were at the studio, we'd be able to see each other for the first time ever. And now it's just that the, the roles have been reversed and I can see you. And <laughs> it, it, Isn't it crazy how that works out? Just nothing matches up at the right time? I know. I know. But we're... We're going to make it work. Absolutely. So, listen, it's been a really big week for you. Uh, you've been doing uh, stellar reporting with uh, our mutual friend uh, Mel and Mel K Show. Uh, you've also become a mainstay even before Davos on Steve Bannon's War Room. Uh, you must be ready for a nice little mini hibernation right now. 
Yes, and a very cozy chat with you, of course. I wouldn't have missed this. I love coming on, uh, quite frankly, TV. Well, we got a lot tonight. I got things to ask you, and the audience has things to ask you as well. I've already collected quite a few um, quite a few uh, questions that can get the ball rolling in numbered directions. But let's just start with this, number one, and that is Disease X. Now, mm-hmm. I remember, and I've, I've, I've been talking about this for years here now, too, that they have been coining the term Disease X since before 2014, what I can remember the first time. Bill Gates is usually involved with that kind of uh, that, that marketing and all there uh, because he's been really coming down hard on vaccinating the world against one thing or another in Asia and Africa and this and that. But Disease X is now back in a big way. And they keep talking about we need to be preparing for this virus this contagion that they don't know what it is what it could be where it'll come from but somehow we need to prepare for that thing that has not a place a name a place of origin what have you learned about that what are they recommending for this anonymous disease that still nobody has a profile on yeah frank it's funny it's an unknown disease but somehow they know it's going to be 20 times deadlier than covid per the description of the panel yeah I know. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. No, and uh, I actually published a sub-psych article during the week uh, specifically on this panel because it was so hyped up. Uh, I mean, from the moment the program was released um, last week ahead of uh, the annual meeting kickoff, Disease X was trending nonstop. And, um, and... I just put together a quick short article up there just showing how the narrative congeals, you know, and all these different uh, players get together and work hand in hand to start seeding out this narrative in the media and amongst, you know, the other, quote, stakeholders like governments, um, like the WHO. So they're working hand in hand and uh, it came to a head with this panel this week entitled Disease X. And as expected, you know, you had Tedros Ghebreyesus, the director general of the WHO, um, using Disease X as a justification uh, for this pandemic, quote, treaty that they're working on that they're going to sign in May here in Geneva. I'm back home in Geneva. Um, Here in Geneva uh, at the World Health Assembly, and uh, they're putting the final touches on that um, agreement, uh, along with the amendments to the international health uh, regulations, which go hand in hand um, to usher in a system of total control, mass surveillance and total control uh, via the WHO as the chosen vehicle and via these so-called pandemics, you know, pandemics, which are uh, one of the Trojan horses that they use as well along climate change along cyber threats i mean all of the all of the quote risks uh that were featured in the global risks uh, report by the way um published as well ahead of the annual meeting and, well i have uh, your, always have these pretexts i have your sub snack up on the on the screen right now uh behind us and i'm, I'm settled right on the wikipedia of course it has a wikipedia page uh disease x yeah, it's a disease X is a placeholder name that was adopted by the World Health Organization February 2018 on their short list of blueprint priority diseases to represent a hypothetical unknown pathogen. It's just uh, 
it's so psycho it's such a psychological tool you don't need to do all this stuff to game plan for you know uh, for uh, on an epidemiological uh standpoint on what to do in a country if there is some sort of legitimate outbreak of one thing or another you don't need this pageantry so it is such a clearly a psychological tool and they've got everybody involved in on it including wikipedia yeah absolutely just crazy you know what i do love you you brought up tedros I love I love watching people like him getting confronted on the streets by people, uh, you know, the common man who goes out to yeah. these things. I mean, you, you, people like you are out there. You're reporting on what you're mm -hmm. seeing. Um, do, do you get out before I finish my thought on this? Do you gain access to any of the panels? Are you able to actually be in there and watching some of this go down? No, 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 no. The Congress hall where they uh, hold all these panels are um, very securely uh, closed off to the public and you really cannot go unless you have a special pass. And uh, us um, plebs and us conspiracy theorists do not have access. We're persona non grata for sure. Well, you know, the crazy thing is that they, even the things that they make public, they, they, see, they, they reconsider whether or not they actually want to put it out there. Um, I think last night, sometime past midnight, they had done a, they held a, uh, an election 2024 mm -hmm. conference where, you know, Alex Soros mm -hmm. was on there and yeah. sometime around two in the morning, uh, th they deleted it. They deleted it. I know they, it's been rehosted by, by people, but it's just like, uh, even the things that are public, they don't, they don't want people watching it too much because the commentators are just a little bit too sharp these days. Yeah, the, some funny things were happening with their YouTube channel where some of the panels that were played live in the YouTube live player stayed on the channel, but some of them then disappeared. Um, but on the web website, all the sessions uh, actually were are still available. Okay. Okay. So they're, they're backed up there. Well, then I, I... But all the comments were turned off. And also on many of the tweets, the comments were turned off. Well, that goes to my uh, my initial thing there about Tedros mm -hmm. walking the streets mm -hmm. and having citizen journalists just ask them very uh, simple questions. And, and they they love to talk to each other on these panels, blowing each other's heads up and stuff. But, man, they, there is not a word to be said when a microphone is in their face outside on the sidewalk. So ha have you been able to ask any questions of people that you've seen roaming around or have you not been that lucky to, to catch anybody in public? I wasn't really roaming around. I was very much concentrating on just gathering all the information and looking at and watching the panels, you know, to be able to corner these people. Um, you need to be hanging out in the street and following them. And we're, I mean, luckily we have really um, talented journalists doing this. You know, you had the, you have the rebel news team. They're very, very good at this specifically. So considering that they were doing that, I was focusing on on something else. I did see, however, excuse my voice, huh? I did see, however, um, uh, retired General Milley at Ukraine House. And I tried to approach him, but he had his entourage. Um, but he was saying that he was here in support of Ukraine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and uh, I would have liked to have asked him uh, why is he more concerned with Ukraine than the invasion at the southern border uh, of his own country? Essentially, what is supposed to to be his own country, but we know he's a traitor, and we know that he is 
one of the big, big anos out there, the Americans in name only, as I call them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's and, good. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something I came up with like a couple of years ago, and I think it's so fitting because there's an illusion of a of two parties. There isn't two party. There aren't two parties. There's a unit party, and they're all working together. And so, Rhino, while accurate in some circumstances, I think Anos is much more appropriate. I, I would have I would have uh, sat down and I would have found a creative way to describe uh, people like Millie. With the, I would have to. I would want to take the word anus. Instead, I wouldn't want ano. I would want anus. I said, how can I use a n u s? How can I use this? I have. I have to turn that into an acronym, I, and I still might. Now that you brought this up, but I. But you know, to that point, because you're talking about the southern border, then I want to get to cyber warfare. What you've learned about cyber warfare, cyber pandemics, and of course the recommendations against that, which it's always the same thing. It's just surveillance and tracking people and limiting their life, their life choices. But there was this one guy on the uh, the panel that Alex that Alex Soros was on that I might I might queue up later in the show. He was some British guy who came in to talk about his polling and to explain how. And this is really something else. How uh, there are in places like Europe, it had become uh, very complicated politically because of the several crises that people have been experiencing over the last few years alone, from COVID lockdowns to migrant invasions. And he was saying how um, it was becoming hard for, uh, it was becoming harder for, you know, these technocrat types to get people to concentrate on long-term progressive goals, progressive political goals, because new political identities are being formed in response to these manufactured crises. You know, it's not just a, a a migrant crisis just happened. I mean, this is all being done to Europe. It's being done to North America. So I think it's just a, I think that in itself is incredible, just how that's the way he's assessing it, because what a normal person who isn't a psychopath uh, would call this is, they would call this blowback, but they don't take any responsibility for it. And then to add one no. more, yeah, no, go ahead. No, no, yeah, it's almost as though they're surprised uh, in the way that they're speaking about uh, the reaction of the people. But please go ahead. What were you going to say? No, no, it, it was just more of that. He added one more layer to it, but I'll, I'll, I'll put that out. Uh, I'll, I'll get around to that later on. But um, that's the one Can thing. Can we I... talk about that panel though? Because um, so the pa the panel was entitled 4.2 billion people at the ballot box" because there are going to be so many uh, elections this year in 2024 and. Um, aside from misinformation and disinformation, was which was really the underlying subject of the of the whole week, uh, you had obviously the 2024 presidential election in America, which was center stage, and um, they uh, they talked about that obviously uh, on this panel. And Alex Soros, uh, the new chairman of uh, the Open Society. Um, I shared a clip of him, and it's actually gone viral. And um, I mean, the guy is properly high on something. I mean, I don't know why, but it's it appears to be at least because he cannot put a coherent sentence together. And um, and uh, it was so ironic because he starts off by saying that uh, uh, technology is not a threat to democracy in response to some other panelists that were speaking. And 
I immediately thought, well, that's rich coming from him. Obviously, he's not going to say technology is uh, any poses any threat to democracy, considering uh, open society activities in terms of uh, election interference with those machines, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Technology doesn't pose a threat to democracy. Only when somebody uses the technology to tweet about something in an unapproved way. So opinions, opinions delivered through basic microblogging technology is a threat to democracy. But everything else, (laughs) all the tools that they control, that's just that just enhances and fortifies it. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, you know, uh, Frank, um, it's just the whole thing is there's so much irony behind everything they say. And I mean, to be fair, it's just flat out evil and the inverted language as we've uh, discussed with Mel a few times this week is properly evil and um, and uh, the word salad is just horrible but yeah just the irony they they purport to be these saviors and these benefactors and they're talking about um, censorship and um, the threat that is disinformation disinformation and misinformation and how you know they have to protect people uh, online and it's if you look at the titles of some of these panels i read them out i think it was on mel's show uh yesterday or today but listen to this you had one panel called defending truth <laughs> another one where is freedom of expression going uh the other one speaking truth to power i mean who the pa- just Like, what's the power? What what power are they speaking of? Who has more power than they do? No, it's it's been uh, very interesting uh, uh, covering uh, this annual meeting this week because they, they are really drunk on actually what are scraps of power granted to them by their overlords. They're all just minions at the end of the day. Uh, answering to people that are higher above them and they they live in such a world and they're so deluded they they are in total in total denial and in total delusion in terms of of uh what is actually happening in the world and um they've made a faustian bargain you know with their overlords and uh now their lives are completely controlled by these people to to whom they've handed their lives and they have essentially relinquished their free will. God has given us free will. This is like our most fundamental right that God has given us. And they have willingly relinquished that by making this bargain. And then now they want to choose for us, but we haven't agreed to give up our free will. So they cannot um, decide for us and they will not decide for us. Uh, Frank. No, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with I'm with you. It doesn't. Uh, I think that we're becoming a lot more firm in our resolve, even if there's just. Yeah, I, I understand. I understand how much. Uh, you know, I understand the payroll is a lot bigger on their end. I understand all that stuff, but you know the the things that they always try to really crush. That the thing that they really need to be able to crush and extinguish to be able to make all this work for them is that that's that spark of humanity and unless they're willing to just kill the kill off the entire world fumigate the entire world and live uh, a couple of generations underground then uh i i don't think that they're gonna be able to do that 
and it's always going to be a problem for them. Yeah. And I'd love to see the turnaround. Here's a couple of clips. Here's a woman. Mm -hmm. Let me uh, here. Can you hear this? And if you don't, then I'm going to try something. Here, take a listen to this. Hold on. For the global business community. Can you hear that? It, yeah. it sounds like direct audio. Okay, great. I think so, yeah. All right, yeah. listen to this. The top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global mm -hmm. challenges we are facing. They, they, they limit the ability to tackle the big global challenges that they're causing. That's, exactly. That's it. They already they caused the problem <laughs> and they want to deliver the, uh, the solution. But damn it, people are just... I saw a, head, <laughs> I, I saw a headline, I think, from the Washington Post yesterday, um, uh, Noor. I put it up on my... On my uh, Instagram, where the hell is it? It was, I, I think it might have been an opinion piece, but uh, here it is. The headline reads, give me a second, here you go. It's by one name, one name, Philip Bump. He says, Do your, doing your own research is a good way to end up being wrong. Well, yeah, I mean, I it, it's just one of those things. I, 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 don't, I don't know where we're going from here, but here's Alex. Here's uh, Alex Soros now. He's very, very, this guy is a, he's got a lot going on. Somebody asked me to ask you what drugs you think he's, what drug you think he's on? I said, I, the question is what cocktail? Let's listen. Um, um, you know, I, um, I don't think that that's the, I don't think that that's the fundamental, I don't think technology is the fundamental issue uh, in, in democracy. Democracy is messy. I mean, you know, democracy is about contestation of ideas. It's about uh, plurality. Um, it's about people having different truths, actually. Now, mm. um, fundamentally, uh, how society lives together. Um, so it, it is, it is insufferable. It's insufferable to listen insufferable. to. Insufferable. 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 And then, and then there is, once again, plurality and plurality of truth, which is really the, that's really the foundation on, upon which so many of these conflicting uh you know uh, these conflicting ideas are are really causing the much so much problems where we actually have a fracturing of reality right now um th this is it they're, they're pushing people into a state of sustained insanity because there is the you, how can you have everybody's truth be valid at the same time how how can you do that no you can't and psych psychologically uh, the damage that they're doing uh, with all this inverted language I just uh, mentioned and all these um, sustained attacks, as you just said, is just uh, astounding. You know, all these psyops that are being deployed against the population. No wonder we're all to some extent uh, from to one extent or another uh, a bit. Um, I mean, I don't want to say traumatized, but, you know, we're clearly affected, I think, as, as a society. It's obvious for anyone to see when you look at uh, at the mental issues that people have. Um, and uh, it's by design. We know that it's by design. We have all the documentation, all the different uh, reports, and and um, it goes, they manipulate so many different things. And as I say, you know, they've spent the last hundred years essentially poisoning us, mind, body, and soul. And there was this really important uh, segment on uh, Bannon's War Room this week, uh, this Dr. Nels from Germany, 
he was speaking uh, right before one of my segments. And uh, I really encourage everybody to go um, watch that 10 minute segment because he explains how um, these COVID shots essentially change the neurological uh, connections in the brain um, in a way that uh, makes you um, more prone to believe different narratives and uh, therefore become more docile as a population. Um, uh, and I think that there has, has clearly been, this is one example of many um, in terms of how they've weakened our um, biological self uh, you know, spiritually, they've they've weakened us. Morally, they've weakened us. But also, the biological um, attacks um, have clearly had an impact in terms of uh, of our ability to stand up and defend ourselves. And now, our immune systems uh, have really been compromised uh, with these latest shots. But again, it's one in a long line of different attacks. I uh, I forget what the which which uh, which of the the vaccines it, it was, but um, there was a very very short short lived string of of headlines, and uh, people were saying that they felt like there was some sort of a deadening inside of them where they could not feel they couldn't uh, feel the connection to God anymore. And uh, you know, some said, "Oh, this is uh, this is nonsense. Uh, this this is not true, or whatever the hell." Some people thought it was real, but it, it made me go right back to some some uh, of the published works from people like Rudolf Steiner, who were very you know they're theosophist types, whatever. But um, but they they would write at great length about the actual um, application of modern medicine, pharma all of that to be able to sever some very innate and necessary connections that we have to the unseen, the metaphysical uh, realm and, and, um, and, and to really take away a, a lot of that from us. And I, and I think that is, it goes hand in hand with the, the great transhumanist agenda that so many of these groups and so many of these summits espouse. I mean, so much of this now is talking about AI. It's talking about the, the, the communion between um, you know, biological human life, and of course the cybernetics, cybernetics of all these people's, um, you know, their their visions for a emerged future of singularity, and you know all that stuff. Can you talk a little bit about these? Okay, go ahead, because I was going to talk about cyber war yeah. and all that. No, on exactly uh, what you just described, and the, on that topic, can you pull up? Um, the website that I created with my friend Nick Shiruti, weendfreedom.com. And if you click on uh, the logo or the little arrow at the bottom, um, How do you spell it'll bring it? you to the homepage, weendfreedom.com. Weendfreedom.com. Okay. Okay, I'm there. And uh, just click on it, and then you'll have the, the homepage, and uh, you have the title, and then you have I featured uh, amazing Polly's hey. video. Uh, they hate us. They hate us. I don't know if if it's on the screen right now. Yeah, it is. I, and there is Polly. You want me to play that? Okay. No. So no, it's a long video. I, I not long. It's forty five minutes or so, or between forty five minutes and an hour. But uh, I I 
wanted to put it right there at the top of the website because in in those 45 minutes or so, um, amazing Polly describes exactly what this is about, but really in a, uh, at the foundation, at the root of it in terms of also the spiritual attack and how they want to connect us and um, transform us into nodes of this system. So this is really required um, viewing to understand what is at the root and what is really the ethos of the WEF, of the World Economic um, Agenda. And so that website, we created it as a sort of repository of um, uh, different links, videos, articles, to educate yourself and inform yourself on the WEF, on what we call, you know, their global takeover. Obviously, the WEF is but one vehicle um, that is being used by the globalists. Um, so this is something for you, for the audience, and, you know, your audience is very aware of all the information that is on the website, but hopefully it can still help with further research and help to um, awaken those that are around uh around us yeah and and there's and that a, was the goal there's a lot of overlap in this audience with polly's audience and um so mm -hmm. definitely i mean I, I i love polly so i i can't wait to uh Me too. i have seen i think i've seen this one though but i will watch it again it's, it's really it's really really good yeah it always it's always very succinct but you know staying staying on that that topic then there is a lot mm -hmm. There's a lot on AI. There's a lot on the uh, the communion between man and machine, but there's also a lot. You know, we're talking about disease X. Well, in the middle of the COVID lockdowns in 2020 is when we started getting uh, little hints and little drops on things like cyber pandemic, and now we are we're in this this phase where we've already had the the cyber polygon simulations that have happened and now it's just like a cyber attack here a cyber attack a breach over here cryptocurrency ransomware over here so it, it, we're starting to get um more and more massaged with this thing what have you picked up on as far as cyber warfare cyber pandemic end of things or the biggest takeaways that that you noticed there's a lot to say about this. Um, give me just one second because I want to pull up something that just came out um, twenty uh, half an hour ago on Disclosed TV. Just in, Microsoft says Russian state-sponsored hackers access some of its senior leadership email accounts. Um, and this is one in many examples over the past few months of these so-called... Um, news pieces about hackings and cyber criminality. And this was actually a big topic during the week. There was this one particular panel entitled, How Can Cyber Defenders Win? And uh, you had the Secretary General, General of Interpol, who was essentially fear-mongering and uh, describing how it's, it's um, um, uh, an immediate threat and that cyber crimes are on the rise much more than we think and we don't even know the half of it like all the all the cases that are reported it's only the tip of the iceberg because there are so many that go under or that go unreported rather sorry and uh, so he was hyping up the whole the whole um, cyber um, pandemic cyber threat narrative um, and we know that this is very much a WEF um, a key WEF, how would you say, 
agenda item. You know, we know, as you just mentioned, they had the event 201 for the pandemic, but they also had something similar, a simulation exercise uh, similar to that called Cyber Polygon, which they ran for a few years um, every year. And uh, Whitney Webb actually did a really, really good article, or at least it was published on Unlimited Hangout. I don't know if she was the author, but um, uh, I would encourage people to read that. And we actually put it on uh, weendfreedom.com. Um, and uh, they're setting the stage, you know, for a cyber attack in the same way that I wrote the article about disease X, that they're setting the stage and they're crafting the narrative. They're very much doing the same thing for the so-called cyber pandemic. And um, I said this several times a week, Frank, but we have to be prepared for several black swan events. Several. Um, several black swan events this year, I think. And uh this uh, cyber attack is going to be one of one of them. And we see the predictive programming. You know, they had this movie that came out um, that was so bad, by the way, the Obama produced one. Um, the the, the, left, the, the left, left Behind movie? I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah, the Leave the World Behind. Yeah, it was really, really bad. And it was so obvious, you know, the, the programming in there. Um, because I also think that they're going to give um, the illusion of a civil war in America this year and uh, just ramp up the chaos uh, over where you guys are. And in that movie, so it was a mix between, you know, setting the stage for uh, a civil war, but also for this um, massive cyber, quote, pandemic. They actually call it a, a cyber pandemic over there at the WEF. And there was this other um, panel in support of uh, the first one I just mentioned, um, entitled Cracking the Code. And uh, it was discussing the uh, Global Cybersecurity Outlook 2023 report that the WEF put out last year. And uh, apparently all these leaders are in agreement that um, their their organizations are going to see uh, uh, to see or to experience different cyber attacks and how it's so important that they cooperate and get together um, in order to prepare um, and uh, and and find ways to um, combat these so-called threats. So it's always the same playbook, you know. Well, let, let me play uh, this uh, problem. I have yeah, this 42-second clip, this 42-second clip that's I'm, I'm just on your, your timeline over here. Uh, how can yeah. cyber defenders win? And you say over here, by implementing digital IDs to use online services mm -hmm. like the internet, this is their plan, using cybersecurity as the pretext. So take a listen to this, 42 seconds. Ensuring that the infrastructure that powers India's transformation to a digital economy is the digital public infrastructure that the government and industry is building out. Ensuring that security by design becomes um, an imperative for the digital public infrastructures where the first layer is the secure layer that gets built in. And you know, there's a lot of good learning that has come out of Aadhaar, our digital identity card, a billion point two of us have digital identity cards, um, digital identity, sorry. So um, I think a lot of these steps, the security by design is, is getting built into it. So when she says digital identity, she's talking about when you are using internet-based services, you no longer have the luxury of being anonymous in anything that you do online. 
Yes, exactly. And of and course, that is that's, so many. that's become a, a a staple in even some American politicians' campaigns, including people like Nikki Haley, who's a snake. So I, we we can yeah. see this how they're all just they're all just trading notes and and working together in one way or another. Oh, absolutely. This uh, this agenda knows no boundaries in terms of nations or political affiliations. They are all working hand in hand, and you also have this clip um, that I just retweeted before coming on air of uh, the Queen of the Netherlands, Maxima, and she's also pushing for digital IDs, and she's also on record uh, for pushing for CBDCs. And um, and uh, the, the digital ID component is so important and so critical uh, for their plans of one world government, and so they're using many different ways in which to usher that in. And um, we just mentioned, you know, the cybersecurity angle and how they want to ban online anonymity. This is what actually Nikki Haley had said, uh, because it poses a threat to national security. So they're going to use uh, the cybersecurity angle. They're also going to use the uh, pandemic angle with the record of, quote, vaccinations um, and this also has been pushed, obviously, in so many different meetings and forums like the WEF this week. Then you have uh, the climate change narrative where they're going to use the digital IDs to tie um, to your carbon emissions. And like this, you're going to have a carbon footprint. And obviously, they're also going to use um, a massive economic crash, I believe, and uh, that's going to be used to justify the implementation of CBDCs. And then just in general, with the di digitization of all these services you just mentioned, government services in particular, and you look across our societies in the West, everything is becoming digitized. In Switzerland, you know, you go to the post office. Um, I, I, I don't do e-banking. I really don't like all of this stuff and I don't want to partake in the system. I mean, I still have a smartphone. I know I should listen to Polly and not have a smartphone, but it's, it's really hard. Like I'm, I'm doing this interview with a smartphone right now. Um, but I really do try my best to use all of these, um, things as little as possible. And so I go to the phone shop to pay my bill, for example. And since, um, since eight months, they add three Swiss francs like to my bill if I paid in store. And so if I go and I pay like two phone bills, I have to pay six Swiss francs just for the mere fact that I went to pay my bills at the store, which is something that I've always done and that you should be able to do. So, that, do And that used to be the like reverse. This. That used to be the reverse, too. You know, it used yeah. to be that you would call in to pay your bill over the phone mm -hmm. and uh, and you would get a charge for, for doing that. Now you're getting discounted for not coming in and to be more reliant on the, the, the digital systems. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it's it, that's a small example, but you just um, uh, uh, apply it across the board and... Um, and, uh, you know, it's the QR code at the restaurant instead of the instead of the paper menu. It's things like this. And people don't understand that we're we're being, you know, led to the slaughterhouse. You know, we're sleepwalking into the system, um, as Polly says and explains so well in her videos. And um, and we really need to be to be aware um, but I, I'm very happy when I go to certain stores and uh, 
and they're very happy uh, when you pay cash. And you can see that people who have small businesses or smaller businesses, they understand what is at stake and what is happening. Um, speaking about business now, uh, smaller businesses, um, one of the one of the outliers, if you want to call it that, because I know there's a, the jury is still out on this one in particular, this one person in particular for a lot of people, the jury is still out. But um, Javier Millet from from Argentina. Now, he praised business owners. He said, you guys are the ones that are, you know, you guys are the heroes in society. Don't be afraid of making a buck. And, you know, he, so he came out and he has this very, very libertarian kind of spit in the face of everything, all the collectivism that the WEF stands for. And it's collectivism in the worst way. It's talking about actually uh, pooling together humanity into one big um, amorphous blob of shit. And um, so what we have, what we have here, I, I wanted to ask you about this and I'm just going to ask it through a, a, a message that was sent to me by our friend, Wendy Mahoney. And she said, Frank, can you please ask Noor a question tonight? I was struck by Klaus Schwab being open to having Javier Millet speak, even saying some positive things in his intro about him. I would like to know her take on that. Why would he allow that voice? Are we, like so many other things, being pushed to think about Schwab in a non-dimensional way? Or is it just that Schwab maybe knows he can ultimately influence opinion on someone like Millet? I can't figure it out, but I would like to know her thoughts on it. Uh, that message mirrors a lot of people asking that question who look at mm -hmm. Millet's background uh, affiliation with the WEF. Um, how, how do you view his presence there and, you know, everything that came along with it? I am a little bit skeptical. Um, I listened to part of his speech um, and I wasn't really sure to make of it. I saw David, David Icke's um, tweet about it and I agreed with certain of his points. And so I'm just waiting to see, but I, I appreciate certain things that he has said. I appreciate certain things he's done in Argentina, you know, closing all these useless um, departments, et cetera. But I'm, I'm still waiting to see, you know, we saw, we, we saw what happened with uh, Giorgia Maloney in Italy. Um, and, uh, you know, the theme of the conference was uh, rebuilding trust, uh, which is so laughable. Um, uh, at the World Economic Forum this uh, this year, and these people want us to trust them, and we have to use a lot of discernment, and we are not just going to give our trust uh, to anyone simply because they say certain things that uh, ring true. Mm -hmm. So I'm still waiting. And then in terms of Klaus Schwab introducing him, I don't remember him saying anything particularly uh, positive about uh, Millet, it sounded like diplomatic speak to me. Um, and uh, just coming back on the subject of who to trust and who not to trust, and uh, just because they say certain things that we um, want to hear, uh, the prime example of this is Elon Musk. And actually, my first Substack post um, back in September was precisely about this and about X. And uh, how I view uh, I view him and his role, and uh, I was never on the Elon Musk bandwagon, and uh, I'm still not um, because of all his ties to the deep state and his businesses. And uh, there are so many different reasons, and I go into it in the article. But 
uh, I'll just use one example. I think if you're pushing electric vehicles, which are a scam, then somehow you're not on the good side. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't understand the electric. Like I said, I, I, I can see them. I, I'd accept them as a novelty, something that you can use to for local uh, for local driving. Uh, I think that maybe that that would be nice for maybe if 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 they didn't spontaneously explode. You know, that's the other thing there too. It's not so much that it restricts how far you go. And of course, when you talk about things like you're saying smart cities, 15 minute cities where they want everything so oh yeah compact and they're 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 gonna hook it up to the grid. And then if you've um, if you've you know gone through your carbon credit. Uh, allowance they'll just stop the car you know your your car won't be able to leave or they they're going to have all these different ways to control our movements yeah yeah, I, I, yeah. exactly so anything like and, that uh, Frank, can i just can i just say something on the topic of how ironic this whole thing is that happened this week and uh, on the subject of electric uh, vehicles they had one panel entitled evs um marathon or sprint and in the description of the panel it said that it was going to take three billion tons of lithium and it would take 700 years to extract it in order to transform the automotive industry and to bring it completely from combustion engines to electric vehicles to like just turn over the entire fleet and trans and have it be completely electric Three billion tons of lithium and 700 years. And they say this with a straight face. And then they ask, oh, is this going to be a marathon or a sprint? It's, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like one of those things where they have to find another planet to harvest this stuff on because where, where the hell are you going to? It's, I did not catch that. But man. No, but what about the, the climate change? What about the energy? Like, then what energy are they using to actually extract the 3 billion tons of lithium, you know? Well, you see, that is ridiculous in itself because they would have to get 3 million billion tons, whatever it is that they're looking to do. Uh, that would be something, it's obviously astronomically high and it sounds just just silly. It's just so such a large number. But that's what they would have to do if they were really... Um, focused on making everybody able to access this technology and to upgrade everybody. That is to be able to serve as a planet with 8 billion people on it. We know they don't want that many people on no. the planet. So no, it's not going to be 8 billion if yeah. they have their way. So, I, I mean, I just, uh, especially with the way that they talk about with all these upcoming rounds of shots for one thing or for, for diseases that don't even exist yet or supposedly yeah. don't exist yet. It's it's a lot. It's so much to to, to think about uh, on climate. You know, actually, that I don't really, I haven't really noticed too much on on uh, climate because the the AI stuff, the election stuff, uh, that has been so prevalent. Um, but what, what did you notice on people talking about climate initiatives? Yeah, you're right. It really wasn't um, at least what I uh, paid attention to. Um, that being said, there were a lot of panels on climate. Um, uh, John Kerry, in his capacity as climate czar, uh, was on actually six panels this week. And I think Al Gore was on two. Um, so it's uh, it's very much still 
uh, very high up in the agenda and actually number one on the risk uh, global risks table was disinformation and uh, misinformation and number two was extreme weather events and uh, that was for the horizon the two-year horizon and for the 10-year horizon uh, extreme weather um, events was number one so the climate narrative is not going away it's there and uh it serves as the backdrop. You know, they had COP twenty, the COP twenty eight meeting a couple of months ago, and um, and actually you had one panel dedicated to COP twenty eight and the road ahead. So they're going to try and milk this hoax as much as possible to bring in the agenda, and uh, they're not going to just abandon it. So then let me talk about one last thing with you. Um... Or at least one last thing before the break. We'll see. I don't. I don't know how you're feeling. How? How? Can you do a a small little segment after the break? Yeah, sure. So then I'm gonna. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you about the election. One more th- thing about the election because so many people out there bring up, obviously, the American election. If 4.2 billion people are going to yeah. be voting for their local uh, elected officials around the world, obviously the the big the big attraction is what's going on in the United States in November and people like Alex Soros, they're a little bit more like angry at people's projections that Donald Trump is going to win. But I am really interested in those people out there who actually show a little bit of seriousness. And I I think we just said Piers Morgan again, and there's a lot of seriousness in people who don't like Trump that are almost like accepting at this point that he's going to win again. Um, maybe because they actually believe that that the, the election systems that we have are overall secure and legitimate and all that. I, I don't know what they what the hell they're thinking, but do you believe that they believe that that's what's going to happen? Or do you think that it's some kind of a, um, you know, a, a rousing, you know, act for people that they want to trigger into staying politically active at, at this point? Because I. I just don't. Uh, it's very odd when people that we despise are agreeing with us that our candidate or a candidate that we would all uh, rally around is uh, is primed to win again, despite everything going in his uh, not in his favor. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a total comms uh, psyop, and uh, I think it sounds like some form of damage control. And they're trying to pretend that, you know, they want to unite. You remember that article um, about uh, uh, amnesty with uh, between the people that got COVID wrong and then the COVID, quote, conspiracy theorists? I think it was in the article. You remember that huge mm-hmm. thing? Yep. I think it's something uh, similar to that. And uh, they want to try and um ingra- ingratiate can you say that word mm-hmm. ingratiate themselves um to uh to the other side to trump supporters maga supporters america first supporters um and this is something that i said on on the war room the other day you had this guy jamie diamond um uh, on the squawk box and um and he was saying, you know, we should we should listen to them. And uh, we they they did the Democrats did so much harm by calling them the deplorables, and we have to stop doing that. And and I thought to myself, I mean, I don't know if you have the clip. You should. Play I have it, it. So you here. It's a minute long. Let's just play it. 
Yeah. And then you and as soon as it's over, you just comment, just just uh, yeah. dump on whatever you want. Here we go. People are growing. Yeah. They're hungry to grow. They're innovating. It's it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. So we've got this great hand. But when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. And if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He's kind of right about NATO. Kind of right about immigration. Mm -hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta virus. Tax reform worked. Mm -hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't, th I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like. But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you guys have people up here, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump. You're not supporting Trump. Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to Trump? hate 75 million of your fellow Americans. And it's, I, I agree. It's done quite and, you know, the Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, not, hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really? Like, can we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? Jimmy, and, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign. Yeah, okay, so there it is, a, a minute and 17. It, it, you know, dis, but then again, then again, like you said, despite it all, it's Jamie, uh, it's Jamie uh, Diamond, J.P. Morgan, it's Chase, you know? Morgan. So it's like, all right, uh, why? I don't know, anybody that, 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 that uh, hears that and would say, oh, wow, he's coming around. Listen, after eight years of what they've subjected patriots to, did he talk about January 6th? Did he talk about the political prisoners that are still sitting in jail without any due process, without having had a, a fair trial or anything, without having proper discovery, et cetera, all the egregious human rights abuses that these people are, are, um, are subjected to? It's just so hypocritical. And this is what I said, you know, also on the war room when we talked about it a couple of times. Um, I find that clip actually really infuriating and mm -hmm. how he's talking about it in a relatively nonchalant way after eight years of demonizing, not just demonizing, publicly demonizing the smear campaigns, but also actually terrorizing, terrorizing um, these patriots because you have, you know, that report by DARPA uh, about domestic extremism and all this narrative about white supremacists and, um, and uh, uh, calling these people terrorists, Biden saying so, Christopher Ray saying so, uh, Lloyd Austin saying so, all in lockstep to try and demonize patriots as these terrorists. I, I, it's something I've written a lot about um, in the past couple of years, and I've spoken a lot about January 6th because people need to understand, first of all, that it's, it's so wrong. People need to understand that this was an inside job, that it was exact it was precisely manufactured and um and set up to entrap patriots uh to scare people into submission and it's not the first time if you look in the history of uh of the fbi this is not the first entrapment operation uh that uh that american citizens have been subjected to and uh it was it was a culmination point for sure, but thankfully, thanks to you know Darren J. Beatty and Revolver News, um, and then the reporting of, of uh, Julie Kelly as well, 
this time around, the narrative, uh, they couldn't congeal the narrative before it set uh, with this false flag, and uh, it's completely collapsing. And I would encourage everyone, while all of this stuff um, uh, was going on in Davos, you know, uh, Darren released um, an article um, uh, analyzing the footage that uh, Massey was able to release with the, uh, about with the, pipe, the pipe bomb, bomb yeah. and uh, yeah, the pipe bomb story. So everybody needs to go and look at that because January 6th is really critical um, uh, in terms of exposing, uh, and I don't know if you have this expression in English, but you have it in French, you know, lifting up the skirt so that you can see what's underneath. Mm-hmm. Like it really like... Um, um, they're naked, you know, What with, with what uh, Darren was able to achieve and his team, you know, they're naked now. And we see and we see exactly uh, what they did with January 6th and um, and how they basically just turned the entire uh, national security apparatus against American citizens. And you had, you know, even Bank of America um, sharing and uh, from banking information of uh, of American citizens who were in in D.C. on the fifth and sixth of January, twenty twenty one, sharing that with the with the authorities and intel agencies. And I don't know if you saw a couple of days ago, it was reported that transactions were flagged which had MAGA or Trump in the description. Um, this is so egregious, you know the, the the fact that this is happening in the United States of America. I mean, every single. Uh, Americans should be appalled uh, that this is happening. Yes, there is fellow a fellow citizens. It, that's why, like when you say there is a level of obfuscation and suppression of the the full story of something, when someone like Jamie Dimon goes up there and talks kind of you know like lukewarm about things and yeah. trying to be the, the the reasonable moderate person, but Weasel. still leaving out leaving out all of the uh, all of the violent suppression. That has been going on the suppression of, of speech, suppression of uh, of just people's First Amendment yeah. to, to, to protest. And then, of course, to the due process, there has been so much violated. And to not pay that any mind and just say, oh, come on, don't call them deplorable. Uh, the, the tax the tax reform was uh, was good for the economy. And this is why like you under, it's oh, so the so the for all those reasons, you still think that Donald Trump lost 2020. You know, I mean, that's why they were protesting out there on January 6th. Of course, there was entrapment going on. There was agent provocateur uh, agent provocateurs uh, uh, out there trying to rile up a very, very small number of people out of the nearly million that was in D.C. that day. But anyway, Noor, don't go anywhere because we're going to have a a really brief two minute um, intermission. When we come back, I want to ask you a final question about one world religion and the very spiritual aspects that are being put on display at Davos. And then uh, and then we say goodnight to you. And I hope that you slip slip into a deep, dreamless sleep for about 36 (laughs) hours. And so don't go anywhere. Noor will be with us on the other side of the intermission. Ladies and gents, uh, Join us on pilled.net. The link has been shared all around, and you can also, if that doesn't work for you, for some reason you can't find it quick enough, you can go to quitefrankly.tv, which is also powered by Pilled and Foxhole, and uh, it's just two clicks, no paywall, nothing like that. And uh, by the end of the night, all this will be up on Rumble and Rockfin and BitChute and the podcast. We will have all this clipped out, and I will re-premiere this with Noor next weekend on the 
on like the one of the late night um, premieres on YouTube or something like that. But there's nothing like live, and we still have some more time with Noor Bin Laden. So please join us on the other side, and we will be right back. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pill.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv. Just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, powered by Foxhole and pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Frankly. Quite 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 frankly. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Alright, so let's get uh unmuted. We are back with with Norbin Laden. They don't really care about us. No, they don't. So, hey, Nor, I got to ask you this question. Um, when you look at this, you know, when I look at uh, Alex Soros, the one thing that he says is um, that I really caught on to. And I said, oh, man, well, isn't that right there? When he talks about the truth, when he talks about people's truths and uh, how that can all be, I don't know, uh, it should all be respected in a pluralistic standpoint. It made me think about how we know that there was going to be two major halves of the globalist push, the Agenda 2030, the one, the emergence of a one-world technocratic state. You need, yes, there has to be that infrastructure for managing mankind from an administrative state, but there's a, there's a, a portion of mankind that also needs to be satisfied, and that is a spiritual life. 
Uh, if you have, the, you know, that void is always filled by something, whether it's a religion, whether it's any other kind of, uh, you know, I- ideology, it's always filled by something. And that is how we have started seeing the, the, the dilution of traditional religions in the world, world religions, and it has been in many ways corrupted. And now we can start seeing this pluralistic merging of it all. We have a very, um, in a, 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 uh, a display of indigenous jungle, like ambiguity, spiritualism that is starting to be, uh, you know, served up to people on the stage there at Davos. And, you know, so when Alex, uh, Soros and his drugged up state is sitting there talking about you know, your truth, everybody's truth has to be contended with and all in this and that. Uh, I started thinking about, wow, all that, 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 that is really the, uh, I don't know, that's really the cornerstone of everything that they're, they're building on here. Cause there needs to be a mind body, uh, connection and it all has to be, it all has to be galvanized for this to really work out for them. What do you think about the spiritual end of what the WEF, the UN and everybody else has to, um, has to really make investments in in order for this to work. Oh, hold on, you're not you're. Uh... Oh, hold on, there, I I just went to unmute you. I just I asked you to unmute. You can hear me now. Yeah, I sent it over to you. That's how that's how Zoom works. I have to ask you to unmute, and that's what I did. Oh no. T- tap the uh, tap the microphone and see if there's a there's a little song because you're muted. Hold on. Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna get this fig- figured out. Here, I'll ask again. Let me see here. Oh, there you go. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Oh, she's back. Very cool. Okay, so cool. the spiritual. I was gonna say, yeah, I was gonna say you said earlier in the show. Um, you mentioned uh, the effects of these jabs, you know, previous jabs, but I think it's very much the case also with this round of uh, jabs that it severs the connection to the divine. And uh, I said there are many other things that they've done to do just that as well. I think we really are in a battle where they don't want us to connect with this higher force, with God. And... um, And one of the ways, uh, one of the key ways that they do that is by confusing us and um, limiting our capabilities of discernment. And this is one of the things uh, that is um, very uh, important when you read uh, the Bible is this capacity of discernment or fostering this notion of discernment. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is what helps you to be able to discern um and they don't want us to have discernment uh they want us to be uh subservient and um and to be confused and i think really confused is the right word when you look at what's been happening in the world um especially recently in the past few years um and uh, we come back to the uh, the thing that I said earlier, that's why also they use all of these, this inverted language and this word salad, uh, it is to confuse us. And um, they've, uh, they're, they're trying themselves to play gods, they're trying to, to destroy all of, um, 
all of what is true so that we can follow them into into these false uh into these towards this on this false path that they have themselves chosen as i mentioned earlier so it's it's a very it's a very interesting time as well because i think more and more people are realizing this and uh god has a plan and he has made us um how would you say they cannot kill our discernment you know if you if you try and really listen to it it's it's there and uh and i i do believe that uh we will find our way that you, you that can't you can't kill that gut to. you can't kill the gut feeling no. um and no. and I, that may be the only thing a lot of us are left with at this point um, at least yeah. when you have that um, that first big splash of cold water in the face, you realize, oh, this is there's something something weird going on here, and that is where I really think the the spark is there in the gut. And I, you know, that's why I really wanted to end with you on tonight because there's so much we can we can track the we can watch how the gears are turning for these people and all all of the uh, all the angles they're coming at with try to tinker with language, think tinker with thought. Uh, tinker with the genetics and the and the overall mechanics of the body and what can be added and taken away from it, but um, but really that the the last part is the spark, uh, mm-hmm. human spirit and what that needs to be plugged into too. They they need to make sure that they are always at the top of the uh, of the ladder and uh, they they want they definitely want to supplant the um, the world religions, no doubt about it. And the one thing I just wanted to add is that. Um we can feel it, you know, coming back to this notion of God, we can feel what is right, what is wrong, what is moral, what is true. And um, the the other part of this, though, is that we also have to be uncomfortable with uncertainty and not knowing the answers. And they've lied about so many things, Frank, when you look at our history, when you look, you know, apparently there are people that are saying that uh, even our calendar is wrong. We're actually not supposed to have 12 months. We're supposed to have 13. I don't know. I haven't gone that gone down that rabbit hole yet, but I, it's just an example that I wanted to use in terms of so many things around us have been manipulated or outright fabricated. And um, while we try and figure out uh, a way out of this, we need to be, we need to be, comfortable with uncertainty and with not knowing because we have to go back and look at um at uh at how we were when we go back and we do the research that we're doing we have to go and look at um what led us to where we are today right and so i think it can be quite uh overwhelming for a lot of people uh, to realize that we don't have reference points you know because they've lied about our reference points and uh going forward the discernment aspect of it is going to be very very important in order to um sort out what is true and what are lies well that's why i love i that's why i love where we are right now because as as precarious a position it is nor people like you people like me and many others out there including the audiences they are we are all in a a really wonderful position to, in the face of so much uncertainty, to be able to get back to our roots of telling stories again and digging back through time and finding pieces of our 
our our past that really fits into the puzzle in ways that we never knew that really explains where we are, who we are, and uh, how, how we've been through most things before and how it all turns out. And maybe by learning from that, we can hedge our bets in one way or another. So we are the we are the new storytellers. This is the new campfire. And I'm glad that we've been able to hang out tonight. Um, after your weekend rest, what are you doing next week? Let everybody know how they can follow you. Aside from your very active Twitter account, uh, are you going to be doing still doing morning check-ins with uh, with with Bannon? Is Davos over? I don't even know when these things end. I feel like they do one of these summits every other month. No, t- today was closing uh, closing day of Davos, so the annual meeting is officially over. I'll be doing a recap show with Mel uh, tomorrow to wrap up and discuss the different uh, key panels that took place. I am going to rest for a little bit. And on that note, I just want to uh, thank the audience. And uh, every time I'm on, everybody is so nice. And I appreciate the indulgence because it is quite late over here and my brain is a little bit fried. And sometimes I feel self-conscious when I can't express what is in my head uh, in English. And I have all my French coming up to the surface. So yeah. thank you for everyone for being indulgent with me and Man, always I, being so nice. I wish that was a problem I had. Oh, you know, I'm just <laughs> I, I'm I'm just trying to be so articulate in one of my five thousand languages that I know. I know. <laughs> Man, I just I, I gosh. Well, no, but my, my mother tongue is French, so um uh that's like the language that I use like every day in my life. So sometimes when I'm tired I have trouble switching from both languages. But anyway uh, thank you to everyone because every, like your audience is the best and everyone's really nice with me. So. Well, they all love uh, you, especially that I tune in so late. But uh, hopefully, I can I can come in person in the studio at a decent hour uh, soon. Oh, oh, you you let me know what I have to do to make that happen, and it will be so. In the meantime, you get yourself some rest. Thank you so much for your availability, and and we'll we'll talk again soon, my friend. Always for you, uh, Frank. Thank you so much. Thank you, Noor. Have a great night. You too. There she goes, Noor Bin Laden. Uh, What a very, very fun evening. Now, I have some stuff here for you. I'm going to, we're just going to jump right back into it. And it's Friday night. We're getting all this cleared out because next week we've got, we got so many great guests coming in and we're, we're changing up the topics and, and it's going to be very good here. I want to, I want to give this to you, this piece. Where the heck is it? Well, first of all, here you go is this guy that I was talking about on the 4.2 billion people at the ballot box uh, panel that happened late last night. This is, I don't know his name. It's a couple of minutes. Now, listen to what he's saying about the polling. This is really, really incredible. This was uploaded. I think that this is on, uh, this is on Lauren, uh, some bitch I know. This is on her uh, her Odyssey channel. Now listen to this around the thirteen forty seven mark, and let's just take a uh, take a listen to what he's saying about things. And what we found um, in our polling work is actually that a lot of these crises are creating kind of long term identities and political identities, and. Um, when now when he says crises, he's talking about, like I said before, when I was just kind of giving uh, Noor the cliff notes on this, he's talking about COVID lockdowns. He's talking about migrant crises. He's talking about, especially in Europe, the, the looming threat 
of the war in the East with uh, Ukraine, the, the the proxy war, the intelligence war, um, and then of course the instability with the 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 euro and th- there's a there's a lot going on here, and he's saying it's creating an issue where long term progressive policy uh, initiatives are being supplanted by new political um, identities that are being formed in response to these crises that they are actually manufacturing to put pressure on society to transform. So they're dealing with, like I said before, what a normal person who isn't a psychopath would call blowback. And this is how they're, look at how they're trying to cope with it. Listen. One of the things that seems to be defining politics now is, is less a kind of idea of hope of the future and these long timescales about what could happen than the trauma of a kind of brutalised public that, that, uh, whose identities have been shaped by these things. And migration is the dominant trauma in, in Germany post-2015. But what's interesting is, is that all of those five crises have got constituencies which are, you know, between sort of 70 and 80 million people around Europe, if you look at the whole European, um, uh, they're more or less the same size if you think about these crisis tribes of Europe. They've got different um, dynamics within them. They lead to different kinds of voting behaviour. But I think what it points to is a sense that actually, rather than having societies that are centred around, you know, a, a more kind of enlightenment idea of what democracy looks like, where people are seen as individuals and they have collective interests which can be projected into the future. What increasingly uh, is happening with politics is that people are looking at these kind of, uh, uh, you know, the, the individuals being kind of broken down into a whole series of, of different things. I think that's one of the things that does come from technology. And- yeah, yeah, it's getting broken down into fight or flight. All right, it's very hard to think about the hope and beauty of the future. When your small, sleepy town of a thousand people in France or in Scotland is somehow uh, and and almost overnight overrun and you are now 10 to 1 Nigerian. I mean, it's a a little bit hard to think about the hope of the future. Okay, that's why people are becoming uh, their, their, their political identities are becoming morphed by whatever they believe is the most pressing pressing crisis issue or crisis point out of the five that you freaks out there have delivered to us but of course this is a this is a a cope session they're not actually talking to little people okay they're talking to themselves they're talking to the central planners what you try and do is assemble a kind of winning coalition on a particular issue at a particular time based on some aspect of their identity, which you think you can get to, tr- to, to trump other kinds of identities. I think that's very, very difficult for a kind of progressive politics if you want to get people to think about the future, if, if you have such a fragmented sense of what the reality is and people's identities are... Um, but anyway, so I, I think that the migration isn't going to be the key issue. And then I don't think the far right's going to win either. I think there will be, you know, nine member states in the EU, a third of member states where the far right tops the polls. But uh, far if you right. look at it, we've built a, a model and it shows that actually the results are not going to be vastly different from what they are at the moment. The three kind of big uh, centrist blocks. The He can't breathe. 
these elections, the local elections in, in um, but, and the British election, you can see how the Polish election actually completely changed the mood that people had about the far right earlier. So I, I would look probably more at those things than at the, the European elections if you want to understand what's happening with Europe. Mark, I mean, I think this speaks to Ian's point right at the beginning. That now there's just one more layer of cope and gaslighting that he puts on top of it. And I'm, I don't want to pay too much more attention to this to have to uh, go and, and listen and, and find it. I think it's coming up in the next couple of minutes. But the one more layer of cope he put on top of it, and uh, like I said, gaslighting, is that he goes on to say that because of the crises that they're all dealing with, the, the multiple crises that they're all dealing with, from migration to economic to you know lockdowns to looming war, all of that, that the totalitarian responses of progressives, okay, people like Macron, uh, how out in France, if you didn't have a, a vaccine passport, you were being denied medical care. Whatever the hell was going on with 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 censorship, with you know, in, in places like Canada where they have to, they're stomping little old ladies on horseback, uh, you know, arresting truckers who are protesting. All I mean, they have been brought. They, he he went on to say. That the totalitarian, the seemingly heavy-handed responses of, of progressives in power allowed the real totalitarians, people like Nigel Farage, to rebrand themselves as reasonable, liberty-loving individuals, when really they are the tyrants that we have to be worried about, okay? So they create the crisis, and then the little puppet tyrants that they have already in there go in there and start twisting people's arms until their elbows fucking snap. And then he has the nerve of saying that, you know, the other issue we're dealing with here is that these seemingly totalitarian responses of the progressives that are already in charge um, have allowed the real, the real totalitarians out there to rebrand themselves. I, I, it's, it was really something to behold. It really was. And here's another one. This one is from uh, Noor Bin Laden. She, she uh, retweeted this. From this other guy, Tim Hinchliffs, he said, Wall Street Journal editor-in-chief at World Economic Forum in Davos says the following. Take a listen to this one. I think there's a very specific challenge for the legacy brands like the New York Times and like the Wall Street Journal. I mean, interestingly, when there's a big, big news event, a big world event, people still come to the legacy brands. We still have a lot of trust. But I think you only have to go back. I think, I think we have to maintain that trust and we have to work at maintaining it in a way that we didn't have to do not so long ago. So if you go back really not, not that long ago, as I say, we kind of, we owned the news. We were the gatekeepers and we very much owned the facts as well. If it said it in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, then that was a fact. Nowadays, people can go to all sorts of different sources for the news and they're much more questioning about what we're saying. So it's no longer good enough for us just to say, this is what happened, or here's, here's, this is the news. We have to explain, our, almost like explain our working. So readers expect to understand how we... It's almost not good enough to lie. Uh, they're expecting us to tell the truth. Now, that's the whole issue. That's the whole issue. What we are doing is reading the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and we are seeing things that is clearly editorialized garbage. That is a very quick way of 
dare I say, fact-checking them all by going into the public record and pulling out verifiable history of one thing or another, uh, stories that you have reported on honestly in the past when reporting on it honestly did not cost you anything politically. I mean, it's just incredible. There is never any responsibility, no accountability. But there is this inflated sense of ego. And again, these are people who are talking to themselves right now. Obviously, they know, they know that the public is going to be watching, but a lot of people don't give a shit about this. We do because we like to torture ourselves. But just listen to that quote. We have to maintain the trust in the way that we didn't have to in the past. We owned the news. We were the gatekeepers. We very much owned the facts. Nowadays, people can go to all kinds of sources and they much more, they're much more questioning about what we are saying. Just, I mean, that's, uh, that's something for you. On uh, Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano's end, here's a little something for you from Davos. In Davos, the masters and servants of the globalist elite gather. Characters who openly declare that they want to reduce the world's population through wars, famines, and organized pestilence. Characters who use the complicity of our rulers, international institutions, and especially high finance and media, which are totally in their hands. How would our Lord have spoken to the Sanhedrin of criminal uh, subversives at the World Economic Forum? What would all the popes and saint, uh, uh, all the popes from Saint Peter to Pius the Twelfth? Very interesting that he stopped at Pius the Twelfth. Have said to the participants of the Davos Forum, not what Bergoglio said, surely. And this proves once again that the Argentine Jesuit is a servant of the globalist elite, whether he does it out of self-interest or due to blackmail matters little. Bergoglio explicitly supports the globalist coup and actively cooperates in the establishment of the new world order. What more is needed to understand? Uh, what more is needed to understand that the words of Leo the Thirteenth have come true, that the prophecy of Our Lady at La Sa uh, uh, um, of uh, La Salette is being fulfilled before our very eyes. Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. That's some, man, I wish I had Vigano on speed dial. I could just call him every night before I go to bed. Say, hey, man, what are you doing? Can you tell me a story? Just tell me a story, whatever the hell it is. Let's take a really quick break. When we come back, I have a little bit more, your calls, and uh, and yeah, yes, we're coming up on the end. 25, and I'm also going to preview what is going on in the after hours tonight because I got some really good stuff. If you're watching this live, you're watching it in one place. That is either on pill.net, quite frankly.tv. So you don't have to leave because I'm going to have some really great stuff served up to you that you're really going to like. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
What's up, fuckface? Can we do our two prosciutto poppies? Yeah, all right, Pepperneck. Who the yeah, fuck right. you think you are wearing a New York beanie and fucking pinstripe? Because you know how many championships we got? Doesn't even matter. Let me ask you guys a question. I'm working in two weeks. Everybody comes here for Boston. Besides, I can't understand a fucking word you say. You guys all wear green. And you guys all buy Sprite. Everything's fucking green. Green hat. What? Because the wool in the stadium's green? Uh, I don't understand you when guys. When I think of New York, I think of just rats and chopped cheeses. Yeah, rats. How about you? Stuff. Shave your face. You never heard you got to have a clean face? You look like a fucking agent. Hey, you see what the Yankees Donnie make? Brasco over here. The Yankees make their fans shave their faces. Yankees. Show some respect. You know whose jersey this is? Yeah, fucking Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson. This is Mariano Rivera, Mo. He's a friend of mine. Oh, uh, what about Jonathan Papelbon? Yeah, I call him up. He'll take an onion. He'll throw it at your 90 mile power fistball. Hit you right upside your neck. It fucking sucks. I'll call David Ortiz. He'll fucking knock it off. Yeah, the David Ortiz is yeah, a yeah. fucking shem. He's a yeah, husband. Hey, do me a favor. Take one of these pickles. They match your hat. I like gold for all the champions. Yeah, you yeah. too. I'll throw one down your throat like a hot dog down a midtown tunnel, fat what? boy. You, you just, you just what? Ruined, you ruined the whole argument. Gold? Yeah, I'm yeah, I won. Now put an egg in your shoe and beat it. And don't come back again. There's more where that came from. Hi, I'm Chris Christie, and I'm dropping out of the race because I'm a fat piece of shit and nobody cares about me. Thank you very much, everybody. Have a nice day. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, man, good stuff. Good stuff. Let's see. What else? Let's get into some super chats. I'm going to lie. I'm going to open up the lines. 914-200-0269. Whatever you want to talk about. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to It's always whatever you want to do. Whatever I want to do. Okay, over on pill. Let's go to those uh, gold pills first. Then we're gonna get down to everything else. Mm, first one up. I don't know why my computer is acting slow again. I thought I fixed this with all the Chrome extensions. It's just like I, I'm given a very small amount of time of feeling comfortable with what I got going on. What do I have to do? Buy a new computer at home now too. Bringing the the new computer to the studio tomorrow, eight thirty in the morning. Mike got in touch with me. And said, hey. Just want to let you know, I feel all right, but my, uh, you know, Mike's, uh, Mike's woman, Mike's lady is not feeling too good right now. I said, great. Watch him wake up with uh, the, uh, the the flu, and then I'm just going to be at the studio uh, with this new computer, switching things out, and, and God, please, please make his immune system hold, please. Falkalon says, uh, been a quick minute since I could watch live. Keep up the great work. It's great to hear from you, Falk. It has been a minute. C. Blanche, thank you. Jesse81138. J. Jewel, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Noor. She is in the den of evil. Energy cleansing. World Debt Now says, uh, rolling on the floor laughing. Anos. Yes, we need anos. Anus. How do we use the... She said Ano. I know, I know, like rhino, A I N O. How do we you how do we use A U N us? A A N U S. World debt now, thank you. Tam Growl says cheers to Inos. NJSF says when they use truth, they are misspelling opinion. Yes, the whole thing there is that when you build the the 
there is a a common truth for any functional civilization that they latch onto. That's what makes it functional. You know, Thomas Jefferson once said that in matters of opinion or matters of style, flow with the river. And in matters of principle, stand like a rock. And that's the whole thing here. You've got principle and you've got style. Everybody needs to be able to, to latch on to one thing and then allow life to kind of take you one way or another. And, and that's how you really start seeing differences in people and outcomes and all that other stuff. But if a, if a civilization is going to last, if a household is going to stay together, then there needs to be something that they all agree on. When someone like Alex Soros, who is really just a shitheel, he's just a shitheel. He's a drug addicted, uh, you know, the, you know, lab creation spawn of, uh, of the other one, with the face that's hanging off his skull for the last 30 years. And the, the world's most famous eye bags. He is, um, he's out there saying something that is really just the basis of a, uh, of societal chaos. You know, you have everybody's truth. What the hell does that mean? Everybody's truth. Is every person a nation? Okay. Now now we understand how they just get away with whatever the hell they want in a legal sense. Uh, let's see here. These these elite clowns, GD, they can F off, said Valkalan. Uh Thank you, Jay. Jay sent over some really wonderful gold pills, a thousand of them. Thank you, Vader369. Secret Weapon. Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Secret. Ginger45. Hello, Ginger. Robert Sarn says, We the people must and will defeat this ancient evil that is so prevalent on our planet. C. Bland says, DJT only. Amen. Well, thank you for the amen. Sean Joe. C. Blanche. Jesse again. C. Blanche says, See you on the other side. Great show. Joe M, nor is great, but not as great as the Franklies. Well, I think she's of the Franklies, so I think that is all a wash, which is why I love her so much. Jesse81138, Homegoy says, excellent guest tonight, Frank. Did you get all uh, that much snow up there? Absolutely not. Nothing. I knew we weren't going to get anything. I would have loved the foot because it would have been the first time we would have seen that in a long, long time. Everybody around us got walloped, but we got nothing. Tuesday we were supposed to get a foot, you know. About a week uh, about a week ago they said Tuesday was going to be a foot. It ended up being maybe maybe an inch and a half, two inches. Uh, today it was supposed to be maybe another three inches. We got perhaps an half a half an inch. It was nice. It was scenic. It was pretty, but it's not enough to uh, to to build a snowman with. Anywho. It's just not in the cards for us over here that much any anymore. Don't get it. I don't, and it's not because it's warm. It's definitely cold. So there you have it. Uh, Amethyst Cat, thank you. NX17 says, Nor is an important voice and such an elegant lady. Thanks for being here. Yes, she is very elegant. Falkalon, could you play a vid of Matt laughing? Uh, no, I don't have one of those. Uh, Axopax says, much love for Noor. She's been in the lion's den for all of us. Yes, she has. Chai Possum, thank you. The Sentinel says, anti-American Nazi uniparty simps. Anus, 
A-A-N-U-S. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you can just say American Nazi Uniparty simps. But I guess they're anti-American. You're right. So A-A. And thank you again, Sean Joe. All right. Let's take a call. 319, you're on the air. How you doing on a Friday night? Hi, I'm good. Frank. Yo, who's this? Uh, this is Sarah from Iowa. Sarah, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. How's everything in Iowa? Uh, it's good. Um, so I called in a few weeks, maybe a few months ago. I had a dream I told you about. Um, but I'm calling in tonight because I was a part of the Johnson County, Iowa caucus. This How, week. So when you say you were a part of it, you were help. You were helping. Uh, you were volunteering in some capacity. No, no, no. I I was a voter. Nice. Now, um, how was that experience? Um, it was very odd, I will tell you. It felt very weird. So before the caucus, I was not a registered voter, um, and I took my parents, and I registered. Um, but uh, I don't know. It felt very divided. It was a – I don't know. Well – It was a – yeah. When you say divided, like when you say divided, uh, it, it was not a, it was not, there wasn't that buzz from 2016, 2018, and 2020, right? There was no buzz of unity. Uh, people. No. Okay. No, there was no unity. There was like, and I've, I've heard some people say that there was um, independents or Democrats that infiltrated. Mm-hmm. And I live in the most liberal county in Iowa, um, and I felt it, it. It felt off. It felt. I don't want to say rigged. Rigged in some. They rigged for who though? I felt like there was probably a lot of independents that registered as Republican to vote against Trump. Okay. And I don't say that as a Trumper. I just it. It felt very divided. Well, I'll tell you, uh, like I said before, there is a. Uh, I was watching a lot of the a lot of people that I know personally, and just observations from an internet that is always churning up, uh, you know, pieces of little pieces of media and published opinions from people all over the place. Though that that they were in Iowa or they were covering things that were going on in Iowa, and depending on what part. Of what party uh, of voters that they were a part of, what camp they were in, there was all types of enthusiasm and party-like atmospheres. And even though some people were just having a real big ball out there, and they um, and they were happy that Trump won, or they're licking their wounds if they're a DeSantis supporter, or what's going on with this one and that one. Uh, I, I like I said when I came back on the air the next day, I had this strange sense of foreboding. And there, it doesn't feel, nothing feels right. Nothing no, feels right at all. No, and I will tell you that, uh, so Fox News was there, and several people that got um, ballots in the mail, you know, um, mail saying, this is where you go for the caucus. They showed up, and they were turned away. They said, no, you're, you're in the wrong place for your district. You have to go to this location. So I felt like we had a really low turnout because a lot of people were turned away 
And then while we were in the caucus, there was a lot of people looking in like they were sent to us. So I felt like there was a lot of misdirection. It w- it just it was very disorganized. And like I said before the caucus, I was not a registered voter, but watch watching it all unfold, it just felt very off, you know. Well, I listen, I'm with you and I wasn't even out there. There's just something in my gut that feels very odd about everything. I don't. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing about this that is uh, is making me feel excited. Um, I, I'm in. I'm. I'm really. I'm telling you. And thank you for the call, my friend. It's great to have you on. I have been on the fence about whether or not I'm even voting. Okay. It's really not a a, a candidate thing. It's. I really feel like you know down ballot. Perhaps if you know if, I, if I'm if I'm looking at what's going on near me, I get then you say, well, if you're going to the, the voting booth to do anything, then you might as well just fill out a you might just well fill out for a candidate, which is the reason why I said, hey, well, hey, you know, perhaps I'll just throw one out there for Trump again. Um, I have been critical of of Donald Trump throughout his presidency like many people who switched over to DeSantis, including Tracy, I, I said in the middle of, of COVID that the, 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 the biggest mistake he is making is what he did to attach himself um, proudly to those shots, knowing that all the circumstances around their rushed development and experimental status of the technology itself was a big question mark, that if, if you felt politically... If you felt politically, um, you know, pressured into being able to just allow the pharmaceutical industry to develop things for people to go and try, that's one thing. But to never like own it, that's something, you know, you don't have to own it and be, you know, boastful about it. I I said that from the beginning. You know, these are things that I, I, I have been very forthright about. I don't, I don't, I don't buy into any. It's a war. There's casualties in war, kind of shit. I would never. I would never. Um, I would never want to hope that somebody. I would never want to, uh, to 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 think about anybody doing something like that, um, willfully. So you know, there's there's a lot of things I understand there, why people are have been fractured a little bit, but it has become very vitriolic. So there's not there's not that that normal buzz of unity anymore, especially since the last six to eight months have been so divisive among people where I don't care if there's difference in opinion. I don't care if people want to, you know, throw their vote towards somebody in a primary. You know, I didn't vote for Donald Trump in 2016 until Election Day in the primary. When the primaries came around here in New York, I voted for Ted Cruz. In June of 2016, I voted for Ted Cruz because he was the only one that was actually talking about the Constitution clearly and decisively. Of course, since then, I've seen a lot of things. I've seen Ted Cruz do things and walk back on things. You know, so I have becoming I've been becoming more and more disillusioned with everything. It's not a candidate thing or anything like that. It really is. Um, I feel like we have seen so much about the way that that elections are run. We've seen so much of that that really breaks my faith in in where the hell this can even go in the in the meantime. 
and uh, and the whole power of the meme, the meme magic, that is very hard to um, that's very hard to recapture if people are this fractured. But then again, it's just us. Remember that. Like I, I'll, I'll keep putting it out to you. The average person who tends to vote not Democrat, this stuff, they are not even entertaining any of the stuff that we get so passionate about. Really don't. I was at several Christmas parties last year, 2022. Like I was talking to some of my father-in-law's friends and things like that. They would come up to me and and they all vote Republican, but uh, some of them were they they. You know, they asked me about uh, the election and all that stuff, and they and, and they and they even put the screws to me a little bit and said, "Let me ask you something. Do you think that uh, the election was stolen?" I said, "You th- you th- you think that Joe Biden got eighty one million votes?" And they, and they look at me like, "You really think that it was st-? like like I can't believe that you you're you're a conspiracy theorist." These are Republican voters, ladies and gentlemen. That's the average person. Okay. They're gainfully employed, they're intelligent, but they're but that is the average person. Um, I don't. Uh, I I think about that. There's just so many layers to this, and um, I understand why there's disunity. You know, there's been plenty. Like the the reason why I said all that stuff about Trump is that there's been plenty of things that I have been critical of, but at the same time, I'm starting to become so like, all right, we have to put our priorities elsewhere. And, and, and get ourselves and our souls and everything nice and focused and, and, uh, and strengthened, that the whole debating about whether or not a vote should be, is it better to vote for Trump or somebody else, it, it, it doesn't matter to me anymore. I'll probably vote for Trump. Why? Because it's as simple as revenge. Um, and, and revenge, to the left, uh, is um is really just a little bit of a restoration of law and order. I would love to see if he actually did something that uh, that was wild to bring some people in that are are true uh, independent political appointed. That that would be interesting to see. I'm in I'm I'm in this for really good television now. I'm voting for really good television, and uh, and and whether or not there is some really wild awesome things that could happen. Over the course of four years, because if four years is over in a flash, and then what are we doing? Then what are we doing? We're waiting. We're who, who's the next president? We're just waiting to see who the next president could be. I mean, th- it would be awesome if he went and uh, it actually did lock up the border. But again, that is like writing your name in sand. You can slow the tide of that stuff down for four years. But uh, what incentives here at home? Are being taken away. How how are you stopping the flow of money that has been happening for years? And as long as it, it's just so much, you know. So I'm voting for interesting television, and I'm really not that invested in it. But I am invested in a future. I'm just I just think that it's better for us, the little people, to put our attention in very very distinct places, more localized places, and, uh, and building communities from the individual on up. It's, uh, it's about better uh, sources of food. It's about getting yourself out of debt. It's about learning good, st- connecting to uh, you know, good stories, good storytelling, uh, our past, history, all that stuff. It's about, um, it's about parallel systems. It really is how we can supplement uh, our health 
without having to really make those um, those big time investments are automatic that are, are are very automatic building families maintaining friendships that's really the best thing that can happen it really is because uh, I think you're gonna find that a lot of people are looking for the same thing so uh, yeah I understand what Sarah is coming from we only really needed one one call to get me on the, I guess this is what I really wanted to talk about in many respects maybe that's really what what I was trying to get to when I was talking about the the ominous feeling I felt I felt it's not because one you know the wrong candidate is being put forward it's just that yeah there is momentum yeah we know that if all things are equal like an election Donald Trump would have been coming up on the end of his last constitutional term right now this would be his last year okay if all things were equal because there was no there's nothing close about 2020 if you ask me and i really do think if all things were equal there's nothing there's nothing that would come close to stopping him from getting elected a third time nothing close but all things are not equal and the only thing that we can do in this situation is fill in that little hole that little circle and put it through the the uh, the, uh, the the machine, and then get back to the little things again. It's five or ten minutes out of our day in early November 2024, and everything else is the little things. And trying to prepare for whatever kind of black swan event, and Norris seems to think that there might be a few that are coming our way. I don't know if you guys and gals uh, agree with me on any of that stuff, and it's not that I'm an anti-Trumper or anything like that. It's just that I, I really, I'm I'm taking several steps back from it because, um, you know, don't want to put all of your eggs in in one basket. And whereas I will play the lottery with Trump again, see what we get on the other end of it, because whether it's DeSantis or Trump or uh, anybody else, uh, I don't think that we're going to get everything that uh, that re- we really want. You never do, because there's too many concessions that have to be made just to just to keep the you know the skids greased. We'll see. All right, let's take a couple more calls. Um, first thing, Stostube, thank you so much. Incompetent hands. This is on quite frankly superchat.com. Incompetent hands says Frank, have you ever seen Coherence? It's right up your alley. Don't want to uh, don't want a direct sequel, but a continuation would be great. Also, I've developed the biggest crush on Noor Bin Laden, which is weird because uh, normally I'm gay. Jeez, I wonder if Noor knows that she she turned one gay audience member straight, which I'm I'm very happy to hear. Good luck to you both. I'm happy for you, incompetent hands. Jay Britt says, hey, Frank, I'm going to be out tonight, but didn't want to let you and Stow Stoop down. I'll see you on the replay. Have a great show and a great weekend. There you go. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, there were, well, there's that. Let me see if there's any super chats on the, the rumble end of things. Did they whisk it all away there's nothing even in the chat the chat room is gone oh the rumble chat what the hell man there probably was a couple of rumble rants but nothing is is displayed nothing not real chats normal chats nothing so i'll have to do that some of the time 
thank you so much to Axapax. The Tennessee girl says, uh, what was this, the acronym? I thought it was ANOS. Is ANUS in Spanish? No, it is A, uh, it, it's Americans in name only. That's what Nora said. A-I-N-O. A-N-O. I think A-N-O or something, something like that. Uh, let's take another call. 916, you're on the air. What's going on? 916, you there? Nothing? Now here, let's try it again. 916, how you doing? Hey, Frank. How you I doing? I want to slap your butt cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and they suck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that was good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Nine months. Finally, that's the first time I said that once. It feels like well over a year ago now. And that's the first time somebody actually ever called up and just did it. Good for them. Good on you, 916. Thank you so much. All right, let's see. Are we back to the studio next Friday, says Olaf. I hope. I hope. We'll see what gets done tomorrow. We'll see what we get done tomorrow out there. Is there anything I want else I, I wanted to let you know? Um, here, take a listen to this. Here is... What we have going on in the after hours tonight. As soon as I get off here in a couple of seconds, we are going to, to warm you up. There is a really great uh, skateboarding video from Thrasher Magazine called Cold Call featuring Braden Hoban. All right. That's about 10 minutes long. Then we've got a breaking news brief with John Ward. After that, Critical Drinkers, top five underrated sequels, movie sequels, which is going to kind of prep the, the stage for a movie sequel conversation we're going to have soon. Then you're going to have United States Invasion Route Exposed. This is the entire illegal alien uh, route, the pipeline that's been revealed by this the Muckraker Report. I think it's two brothers. A few of you told me about this uh, on and off the air. It's about 40 minutes long. These two guys went and followed the entire illegal immigrant um, you know, trafficking route. That's 40 minutes. After that, we have, I said yesterday when we were watching Sean Strickland, the MMA fighter that really took it to that uh, ally in, the, in the, press, the press pool. I said, man, I would love to see two hours of that. And then people reminded me that he just did two hours about a week or so ago with, uh, with Theo Vaughn. And I remembered I had seen a clip from that, and I didn't put two and two together. So I have that here tonight. We have a two-hour interview between Sean Strickland and Theo Vaughn, which is really, uh, it's really great. Theo Vaughn is, is funny as hell. He's insightful. He's a great host. And this, it's, the two hours is going to go by in no time. It gets emotional. You feel all types of emotion in this. It's really wonderful. Now, all after that is all done, we're going to be uh, the end credits are going to roll. And on the other side of that, we have a, uh, you know, a camping in negative degree, negative, negative temperature video. But then there is a full Devin Townsend performance that I thought was really nice. Uh, I've watched this before. It's from 2021 at Bloodstock. 
And you may or may not like Devin Townsend. He gets heavy at times, but also very melodic. And his stage presence is just incredible. He's a great front man. And uh, the way that they produce a stage show is wonderful. He's very theatrical, and I like it. So that'll be a late-night musical treat. And after that, coast-to-coast Chupacabras. That's right. The Chupacabras uh, talk show from 1997. I think you'll like it. And that's what I have for you tonight. So I hope you enjoy it. And thank you, everybody, for the wonderful time you spent with me and Noor Bin Laden. May your weekend be filled with beautiful, beautiful relaxation. And you never know if something... uh, Maybe I have an opportunity to go live again at some point this weekend. Uh, If so, there's no way you'll miss it because the notifications will go everywhere. And also, become a sponsor of the show so that you can join us on Sunday for office hours as we go live late in the morning And I just sit here and talk to you guys and take your calls. And it's a really, really wonderful, intimate experience every Sunday that I really, I I enjoy and have enjoyed for years now. So thank you guys and gals. You've been wonderful to me. Talk to you soon. And don't go anywhere because After Hours is beginning. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now our super chatters, starting with Stostube, Incompetent Hands, and Jay Brits. You guys and gals, you're really something else. Thank you so much to all of our gold pillars. I am releasing the scratching right now. And uh, to everybody else, well, hey, the weekend is short. And we will be back before you know it. Whether we're back in Studio A or Studio B, you know it's going to be a wonderful, cozy time where it's cold outside and always warm inside. Also, thank you to Hemp Car on Rockfin. Says America's not uniting sanely. Anus, there you go. Americans not uniting sanely. (laughs) Thank you so much, Hemp Car. I will talk to you all soon. Have a wonderful evening.